this is one of your hosts, Brett. I'm confident when I introduce the show. This is uh. <laughs> your other host, Matt. Brett, why is it every time when you announce the show, you kind of, you do this thing where you like pull your head back, like you're like coiling up to strike? Because uh, I am, I'm a snake. Like, cause you're a snake. I'm a snake person. I'm a member of the Serpent Society. <laughs> you are. Oh man. All right. Well, I don't. Okay. As long as it's not the Sons of the Serpent. Oh no, they're different things. Yeah. Thank God. I was gonna say that's you grew up. That's not a. It's not a thing you with which you want to be associated. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, uh, Matt and Brett love comics. Is the show where we take comics, talk comics with comics and comics creators. Uh, I just like saying the word comics over and over again. It is weird that the two things... He likes saying the word... Every time you said comics, I took a shot. (laughs) Oh, man, you're going to be so drunk. No, listeners, don't do that. Please, dear God. (laughs) No, 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 it was wheatgrass. So she's just going to be real healthy. Okay, okay. Yeah, we endorse that. (laughs) Uh, Today we have two very special guests on the show um, talking about a character that I think is near and dear to everyone's hearts. Uh, We have Mr. Chris Anka. Hi. <laughs> uh, we also have uh, Daphna Pleban. Hi. Hello. Uh, welcome to the show. Um, you might recognize Chris as being, uh, he's an artist in Marvel Comics. He's going to start doing X-Men with Brian Wood soon. Uh, you also recognize his designs. He redesigned Psylocke and Storm. Uh, work is all over the place. Blowing up. Blowing up. <laughs> It's weird. It's very weird. It's weird. In what yeah, sense? Because like people like think like I'm an authority and stuff now. I don't. I don't get it. I don't. It's, that's not a good place for people to put their faith in. <laughs> you're not. At, you're not at like John Byrne level yet, where you're just like I'm telling it like it is. Uh, and then we also have Daphne, who is an editor at Boom Studios, who uh, is an editor in one of my most beloved books, all the Planet of the Apes books. What, what? I've got an ape head sitting right next to me, too. It's oh, really? very judgy. Wow. Uh, I love... It oversees all my work. All of the Gabe and Karina stuff, I have just... I've been obsessed with um, since... They're amazing to yeah. work with, so I'm glad. <clears throat> I championed that book. We definitely have to read that book at some point. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. It started with uh, Betrayal of the Planet of the Apes was the first one? Betrayal of the Planet of the Apes, Exile of the Planet of the... Or On the Planet of the Apes... Uh, and then it continued on in Planet of the Apes Cataclysm, uh, which ju- which just wrapped with issue 12. Yeah, it's a good, like, 20-issue run of just, like, the yeah. entire story. And it's, like, yeah. it's, it's an epic run. You don't really see creators getting to do 20 issues nowadays. No, I, and, and what I love is is we were able to do that with all our Apes books. I don't know if you've read Daryl Gregory and Carlos Magno's uh, Planet of the Apes, but that was also something that uh, it ran 16 issues, and then we did three oversized issues. So it's a total of five volumes of content and and it's so cool to have it sit on your bookcase and be yeah. proud of yeah that's a really great run and that's yeah. a nice uh, like a substantial chunk of reading too yeah. yeah yeah and and what's great is what both uh gabe and krenna and daryl did was they took kind of the freedom of working in the 1968 canon and just told like you know decades of story and you don't really get that i mean uh in mainstream Comics, for good or for ill, is you're kind of always in the same place. And actually, it brings us to Winter Soldier, which Winter, Winter Soldier, of all characters in mainstream, sort of like Jason Todd was, is a representative of a passage of time that yeah. you usually don't get in comics. And um, and it's some of the things I think I'm most fascinated about. So, yeah. Sorry, I tried to bring it back on topic. I'll stop talking about myself. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's great, too, because uh, you're a Winter Soldier fan, and, of course, uh, Red Ghost and his super apes show up in this story, so... 
Yes, it was my favorite thing. <laughs> so many monkeys on this show already. Yeah. Monkeys uh, with guns is sort of my sweet spot. If there's a Venn diagram of weaponry and simians, like it's it's right there. Gunkies. Gunkies. Yeah. Gun monkeys. Gun monkeys. Uh, yeah. And Chris and Daphne, you guys are friends. Yes, I, we bonded I, over uh, uh, Captain America and Winter Soldier. Right, Chris? Or was it Tumblr? That's so long ago. I don't know. <laughs> it was like three months ago, dude. Yeah, dude. I can't remember what I eat for, like what I eat two days ago. <laughs> That's fair. Probably. I mean, it's probably Steve. It's probably. I mean, Steve brings everyone together. Oh man. Well, now I'm gonna feel embarrassed. Uh, we're gonna go to our first segment. What did you eat two days ago? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, How did you not do your homework? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm trying to remember, and I actually don't know if I can remember what I ate two days ago. See? It's, 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 hard. it's harder it's than you think it is. Super hard. Would it be creepy if I could say what you guys ate two days ago? You tell us. I'm just going to make things up. Wait, Great. What, what, what the hell did I do on Sunday? Sunday? I don't even know. I mean, I'm working from home now. I, all my days bleed together in this really <laughs> scary thing. Like, I, I go days without leaving the home. Chris, do you have a home office? Is that where you work? Uh, home office as in the desk next to my bed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> that works. <laughs> See, I remember what I did Sunday because I remodeled my entire room. I moved everything around. Are you, uh, are, you, are you the type of person that likes to kind of shift a room around often, or is that like a once every six years type of thing? It, it was a, I got tired of my TV being too far away from my chair. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so I had to move everything because of like because of outlets. So, did you move the TV closer to the chair or the chair closer to the TV? Great question. I kind of both because I swapped their positions. So now that my chair is both to my desk and to my TV, so I can just rotate and play video games and not have to move anywhere. Nice. This is a dream life. So that, that's that was. A, I, now I seem to figure out how to get my cable box. <laughs> yeah, once you have like the one cable outlet, it's yeah. Uh, so now um, we could uh, jump on to the Winter Soldier topic, which is what we're reading today: Winter Soldier number one through five, aka the longest winter. Yeah, by Ed Brubaker, uh, Butch Geis, uh, Betty uh, Breitweiser, and uh, a host of inkers. Yeah, a lot of inkers towards the uh, end. Tom Palmer and uh, Stefano Stefano Guadino. Guadino. Yeah. Uh, what what um, brought both of uh, y'all, both of y'all, I'll, I'll bust up my accent, both of y'all to uh, Bucky, Winter Soldier? Like, when did you first discover this character and what made you love him? I want Chris to go first. Because I'm uh, an asshole. <laughs> I, that's, I was going to let you go first. <laughs> um, I think it was, I think I started with the Death of Captain America issue. Because, like, I, I mean, I'm going to, this, this is going to, like, date myself in, a, in like, the opposite way. But I didn't, I didn't really get, like, hardcore into monthlies, like, really, really hardcore until Civil War. Yeah. Which I was, like, a junior in high school. Yeah. Like, I, that, I made, like, that made me feel really old, Chris. Yeah. I, I, just... I, I was working at uh, my college comic book shop when Civil War came out. Because I remember stacking those. Tra- those dressed co- single issues with that kind of three-quarter yeah. solid color with Civil War on it, um, and yeah. how much of a pain in the butt it was because you kept covering the title because it was on the bottom. <laughs> it looks so That's bad. how old I am. <laughs> it was, was, I, I, did, 
I did the same thing to, to Bendis because I was telling him that like I was I read House of M, I think sophomore year of high school when I was getting, when I when I was getting my braces. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's a mental image. <laughs> so yeah, so it was it was the death of Captain America issue, and then I kind of just worked my way backwards because I I was basically when Civil War was coming out, I basically picked up every single tie-in. Oh wow, uh, that's commitment. I don't know really yeah. why? <laughs> but but I did, and that, and that's kind of like where I started with Captain America, at least at least in reading uh, single issues. So uh, and then I worked my way backwards from there. So were you uh, were you like a trades guy? Were you still were you reading prior to that, or what were you, what were you into right before that? I was a poor kid. Before that. <laughs> yeah, I mean up to up to that point, I mean I was very sporadic with reading. Uh, I remember reading a bunch of like the Marvel manga stuff. I, I dabbled a little bit into like the back issues they would have online. I was just kind of like whatever I can get at any time. Um, the only series I ever really picked up prior to that was. Um, Ultimate X-Men. And that was kind of all I really had for years, and I didn't really do anything until House of M. I read all of House of M, and then I jumped into Civil War when that started. Nice. And then basically from then on, I've been hardcore play. Daphne, where did your love for Winter Soldier come from? I mean, was it, was it Civil War um, based? I actually started as a DC girl. I mean, yeah. I, Robin was my first subscription uh, in middle school, and when I got to college, I was working out of um, Jane Son Bob's Secret Stash in Westwood, yeah. and that let, gave me access to books I didn't have to pay for. Yeah. And so, much like Chris, it was kind of the Civil War era, because it was around the same time both uh, Jason Todd was coming back and Bucky. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I was, I was also an English... English major, and I was really into sort of like compare contrast, and I thought they were like two interesting case studies on how to uh, bring back characters that have long been established as the stakes of a story. Yeah, um, yeah. And I just, I just loved how they handled it. I thought it was really well done. It shouldn't have worked as well as it did, and um, they managed to make the stakes higher uh, in a way that kind of subverted that trope that had been. Uh, Kind of something when people mention comics, no one stays dead. They say it kind of as a joke. Yeah. Uh, and it was that. And do you remember Peter David's um, X Factor? Oh, it's my one of my favorite, favorite books ever. And when Banshee died, was it Banshee? I'm so bad with the Marvel names. I'm, yeah, I'm going to embarrass myself so much. When Banshee died and yeah. his daughter was like, oh, he's not dead. Don't worry yeah. about it. it was he like, always yeah, comes back. Really great and it was, um, denial on her part. He still is It dead. was so good. It was such a human like emotion that's outside of the genre. Uh, but it used the genre to highlight that, and I yeah. thought that was brilliant. And I think Winter Soldier was also, you know, very much in terms of a character who's defined. You know, Captain America, unlike actually most Marvel characters outside of Spider Man, you don't really revisit the origins as much as you do in DC. Yeah, as par for the course, and so it's like I thought it was a really great way to revisit the emotional origin of Captain America without telling the same story over and over again. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. And do you think that Jason Todd was brought back with as much success? I will say that, uh, did you ever, you've probably seen the animated adaptation of that, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. I did watch that. It is uh, remarkably violent. Yeah. I, well, I love that. Yeah, it's like, whoa, <laughs> I mean, God, didn't expect I that. I saw Return of the Joker at a formative age, so <laughs> <laughs> it was a nice return to form. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and I thought that that told the heart of the story without a lot of the baggage that comes with trying to place it in the middle of a big universe event um, really well. But it came a couple of years after the original setup. Yeah. Wait, so where, when did he come back? What was that during? Uh, he, came, he came back when Superboy punched the universe. Yeah. Uh, was he not Hush? Was he not oh, part of no, Hush? It wasn't. Was, that someone, was it a fake? No, that was, that was uh, uh, his brother. That was his brother? No. Or no, that was... I didn't... I didn't... I don't know if I finished Hush. Um... But I know there was like a fake out where it was supposed to be Jason yeah. Todd, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm very much a Marvel person, so I I dabble with DC and I get my facts mixed up. I um, have poor memory, so even if I love something, I won't remember it accurately. So. <laughs> yeah, you just you you remember the feeling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I got oh what a feeling. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna break out into song a lot more. Uh, Chris, what is it about Winter Soldier that like you love this character? A lot. He is my fa- he is my favorite fictional character of all time. And like outside of comics too. Mm-hmm. You know that wow. you know Han Solo exists. Wait, right? outside of Jennifer Lawrence, who's entirely real but also fictional. Jennifer <laughs> is an angel. That doesn't count. <laughs> so Bucky is your favorite non-angelic character. Non-Jennifer Lawrence character. No, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But she's do a hell of a Winter Soldier. It goes Bucky, and the Namor is like right underneath. Him and then uh, Emma Frost and Maria Hale are tied. Okay. Have and the got... thing that like all four of them kind of have in common, mm-hmm. same with Steve Rogers, same with um, Nick Fury, is something I kind of noticed about myself a couple of years ago, is they're all duty-centric oh, heroes. Yeah. They're not really, you know, because like, I, I joke with like uh, my friend Jake Wyatt a lot, and the fact that he loves Peter Parker because of the guilt aspect of Peter... <laughs> and that's and that's something I hate. I hate guilt characters. Um, to, that's a lot to an extent, like I just don't get it. Yeah, and not to sound like a like not sound like really harsh about it. It's like um, I like characters that have a drive that's outside of themselves. Um, characters that like that's a great way of putting it that want to do good because they can do good, not because like there's something driving them to to that point. Like I, you know, I need to make up for something, or yeah. I, I, I should help somebody. It's just no, it's like I can help somebody, so I'm gonna do it. So like with Bucky, it's like he has all this horror in his life, and he's like, I'm still gonna try to do the best I can to help people because that's within my power at this point. Um, like like him taking the whole mantle of being Steve, you know, he didn't want to do it, but the fact that, you know he wouldn't let anyone else do it. And the fact that it would be good for him and that he can do good as Captain America was, was his biggest driving point rather than some emotional burden. Yeah. Cause it's almost, I mean, he could have easily just given up. I mean, that's the one thing that I feel like, like most superheroes is like, man, at a point you could give up and no one would blame you. You've been through shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Take a take a nap. <laughs> it's like once Bucky's like, okay, I'm not brainwashed anymore, and I'm not a Soviet killing machine anymore. I'm gonna go. <laughs> like he could have easily. You guys done are good. That. You guys are good. Deuces. <laughs> Peace out. There's enough of you. Yeah. There's enough superheroes. Um. So with Winter Soldier, it's like it was uh, his first time leading a series under his own guise as the Winter Soldier because he carried Captain America for a while when he was Captain America. Yep. Um. And then after following his death, his fake death in uh, Fear itself, they launched Winter Soldier. 
Um, so, I mean, how excited was everyone when Winter Soldier was announced? Like, what kind of expectations did you have going into this book? Did you read it when it was coming out? Daphne, you go this oh. oh, I, I, yeah, I immediately put it on my pull list. I mean, uh, it would be interesting to see him outside of his struggle of identity against the Captain America, America name. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was actually really smart to ground it in, um, Oddly enough, Chris, I'm going to say it, in his guilt. Uh, in, in his guilt and what he did as the Winter Soldier before he had sort of control over his own agency. Um, but what I loved is, is they used sort of Black Widow as, uh, as a person that's telling him, you can forgive yourself. And it was, it was really cool to get the sense of, of history even in the launch of a new title. I think it's really hard to kind of launch a new title without making it feel like you're giving undue weight to the character's life. But because they've set so much up in Captain America and, and the Bucky reveal, uh, it felt almost seamless. Yeah. Chris, were you totally stoked? Were you totally stoked, bro? (laughs) Yes, but in a very bittersweet way, because while Bucky is my favorite character of all time, Bucky Cap is my favorite version of that character of all time. Oh yeah. So now losing that was kind of like heartbreaking to me, but I like I, I, like it's kind of it's it's pretty hipster of me, but I like the fact that like Bucky isn't a forefront character anymore, or I mean, he never really was outside yeah. of like two books. Um, so I like kind of pushing him back into the shadows and like keeping him for myself, so <laughs> he doesn't get ruined by being popular. Uh, God, Chris. I do, Chris. I just imagine you like out, outside of like the mouth of a cave with like a flaming stick, waving people back. It's like you get, <laughs> and I'm like I'm like I'm like drawing a red star on my shoulder and like yeah, things on my ankles, and I'm like ready to fight people. Yeah, get my winner. Those I, a little time. Those were actually both two tattoo ideas I had. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was I was thinking like Winter Soldier has a really good like tattoo iconography. Yeah, like the place. Yeah, the the star seems a little much. If like someone doesn't know what it's from, yeah. Oh, you should the get the domino mask. But you did the star on the shield because he did. Doesn't he add the blue circle around the star to take it away from the soldiers? It's, 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 it's a it's a um, I think it's a white star with the blue circle around it, and then a, a really thin red ring yeah. outside of that. The cover of the two four. It's still a star on my shoulder. That's a bit much. Because um, you're I, a star, Chris. <laughs> We are all made of stars. To quote, to quote <laughs> I, I, I have movie. kind of replaced that idea now with, that, with getting the Hydra logo. Ooh. Oh, man, Ooh. you went the complete opposite direction. <laughs> it, it is, but it's such like a deep cut thing. That, like, if anyone knows what that symbol means, like, they've kind of like earned the right to be to, a like, friend. To like talk to me. Yeah, to hang out. <laughs> to hang. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting? Chris, did, did you ever think of getting like the rings of the metal arm tattooed down your arm? Yes, yeah, go the whole the yeah, whole arm. Yeah, arm. Yeah, did it occur? But I have a Teddy Roosevelt tattoo there, so I can't really do it. You should get, damn you, Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> you should get uh, you should get the pouches tattooed around your waist. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then what about just put the diamond mask? Yeah, yeah, yeah just get it tattooed on your eyes. Mm, I like that one. It's a good one. You can you can Don't. use white ink so it only shows up under black light. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Best idea. It's what I wanted to do for the arc reactor. <laughs> oh man. I, I, I had a friend. I wanted him to do that, but with the Green Lantern, 
but all of the green that appears on Hal Jordan. Holy oh, so crap. his entire body? His entire torso, uh, and then his mask, because everyone else is white and black, so just his torso and his eyes. Come on, Daphne. I'm not. I'm not participating in this game. I feel like I'm sexually harassing someone who's not there. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> uh, um, why well, this? I just looked at the date because I wanted to check. This book actually started uh, like three months before Avengers came out in theaters. Because I'm trying. Like my Black Widow love is a hundred percent traced from that movie. Uh, I, I love her in that movie so much, and so. Like I, I can honestly remember like Winter Soldier, the issues that came out after the movie came out. I, I don't know, like I liked those a lot more because of Black Widow and them, uh, just because I'd already seen her. So it was fun to go back and read these five issues with my Black Widow love and see yeah. her uh, doing a lot of uh, twirling, a lot of air twirling in these five issues. Yeah. Well, so I want to ask you, Brett, what did you think about the ending of Winter Soldier involving Widow? Uh, that yeah, I mean, if we're gonna jump ahead to the end where they, I don't, I don't. Ugh. I, mean, I feel I, like. Oh, sorry, Brett. I don't know. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. It, yeah, it, it, I don't like. I don't like it, but it's not like a deal breaker for me. I mean, if we want to toss spoilers out for all of Winter Soldier, out to <laughs> everyone is they end up, uh, like Natasha gets brainwashed for the last arc of Brubaker's run. And it ends when they get her back. They save all of her memory except for her entire relationship with Bucky is gone, and from her brain, it's like they control deleted that from her. Oh file. come on, that's heartbreaking. Which is horrible. Oh. And it's, it's yeah, and so uh, I don't know. It really annoyed me, but I still like the story. But I hate what it. I hate the tropes it plays in because it's like, also the Natasha tropes of like that's that's the easiest story to tell with her is more fucking with her memory. Yeah. So. I feel like, I I feel like you could tell a tired, because I feel like both Bucky and Jason Todd are are tired tropes that have been told well. It's finding the best way to tell it, and I feel like you could tell that story. I don't know if you tell that story in someone else's book. Yeah. Yeah, Because it definitely makes, it takes away her, like if if this was Black Widow. It takes away her agency, which if it's her dealing with her loss of agency, it's still narratively her story. But when it's in the service, and I can understand kind of the appeal on a macro, like on a plot level, of why it it deals with kind of Bucky's guilt over his past and that kind of sense of sacrifice. Yeah. But there, it wasn't enough time to tell kind of the full breadth of it, especially since Black Widow did not have her own series at the time. And we don't, we haven't really seen the fallout of that. She immediately joined the Secret Avengers, which the whole premise of Secret Avengers is their mind is about is erasing right. your memory. Yeah. It's about erasing. It was like, jeez. Yeah. Fucking stop cutting her brain up like Swiss cheese. Leave her alone. Or uh, just let her deal with it. Let her go on her on yeah. her journey of dealing with those holes in her memory. I mean, it can be a good story. It, 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 not saying that this is a bad story, but I feel like you can mitigate a lot of the pitfalls of that trope if it becomes about the victim. Yeah. And also... And not the person that cares for the victim. Bucky and Black Widow are also one of the very few pairings that I root for. Like, I, yeah. I normally don't You're a ship. shipper, Brett. I normally don't ship, You're and a ship. I don't give a shit about shipping. Uh, it's just like, Julie and Matt Saracen on Friday Night Lights, I ship yes! that. Yes! <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I ship that hard, because both those characters... Coach and Mrs. Coach. Love them. Coach the and Cohen's Mrs. Coach. The Cohen's from the OC. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then it's like, Bucky and Natasha. 
Uh, and so to have that ripped away, like, oh, it hurt. But Yeah, I really like the <laughs> dynamic between these two characters in this story. Um, I really like the interplay. They're both professionals, and they're both... They have such similar paths, I think, that they're sort of drawn to one another just by virtue of the fact that there's no... They're, they're pretty much on equal footing, I yeah. think, in terms of their confidence and sort of... Uh, uh, insecurities as well, and it's it's interesting to see them play off of one another, both in the field and privately, as well. Seeing two people that are that are like seem to be that well matched to one another. Yeah, I also, I mean, I love uh, um, Brubaker. Like the first scene of the arc is the two of them like just going on a mission, running a mission together. And Bucky's narrating and says, I've been watching Natasha in action since the 1950s, but she never fails to amaze me. Such graceful beauty, such so brutally efficient. Which is like, yeah, that's her. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that, like, Bucky, like, admires her in a way. Mm-hmm. I, at least I think. Well, I think, I mean, there's a, there's a line, actually, in that first arc um, where they're talking about what they lived through. And he's like, I was, you know, I lived through some of it. She lived through all of it. And yeah. I think Bucky... In, in a, an admiring way, is almost jealous that she's had the time to work through kind of the red in her ledger, not to overuse an overuse phrase. <laughs> but they both have kind of the same blood on their hands, and I feel like Natasha serves as a guidepost for him on how to make his way back out of that. Yeah. And it's really kind of beautiful in this arc, the way she serves that purpose without being all about him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's still in, and I think, you know, he sees her as that because she's not, like, she just continues to exist and do what she does to the best of her abilities, and I think that that's sort of inspiring to him in that way to to help him push past that. Yeah. I feel like there is a, there's like a sister series that you could do this storyline, but just from Black Widow's point of view. Yeah. And it would still be, because I feel like Black Widow does a lot in this. But it's a little bit behind the scenes in a way. Like, the focus is obviously on Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can tell, like, Black Widow is around, and she's doing just as cool shit. And I kind of want to see the flip side. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, the other, the other side of the story that is just following her. Just because I love well, it. You've, you've read The Name of the Rose, right? Oh, yeah. That's great. I mean, I feel like it's such a... It's that same kind of dynamic of, you know, Bucky offers help. But she, but doesn't force the help. Yeah, like he goes by her terms, and and Natasha kind of does the same thing here for Bucky. She's she's there as a resource, but she's not going to press if he's not ready for it. Now, um, the the first issue does end with what we discussed uh, earlier as being a, f- a favorite amongst people. Yeah, uh, we discover a giant giant gun, giant Russian monkey gorilla. It's a gorilla, a not gorilla, a monkey. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> with a machine gun. Now, up until this point, this issue has been very, I mean, kind of like, it's very, very, like, noirish, like, spy, very, like, 70s thriller, and then at the end we get monkeys. We go nuts. We go, we go gorilla nuts. <laughs> so, it's kind of like a, a foreshadowing of, like, oh, this arc is going to be just a little bit weird in a fun way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there's there's a there's a fun weirdness for sure to the entire story arc that I wasn't expecting. And when I first saw this guy pop up, I had for a brief second forgotten about Red Ghost, and I thought this was uh, what's his name from Agents of Atlas. Oh yeah, 
the Gorilla Man? Yeah. 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 And I got really excited because I was like, oh, are we going to bring Jimmy and Gorilla Man back into this? That would be really fun. <laughs> and then I realized he was speaking Russian, and I was like, oh, no, here comes the guy with the Hulk Hogan haircut. <laughs> Red Ghost. Do we want, uh, what is everyone's opinion on Red Ghost? Do people have strong opinions on the Red Ghost? Aside from, like, why is his name the Red Ghost? He controls monkeys? Yeah. Well, he was... Well, and there's, and there's no red in his outfit, which... <laughs> he, was, uh, he, he was a, a, an old, like, like uh, a Cold War throwback villain, and he always used to wear a red jumpsuit. And I think this is the best use of him that I've ever seen. A lot more uh, vicious and sort of uh, calculated... Um, he's a serious threat, and I actually like him better in a suit than in, like, a, a Hank Pym-like yeah. NASA outfit, <laughs> which he used to always run around in. Um, he, the, the way that I've seen him portrayed in the past, he was very sort of like, uh, I don't know if I ever heard his voice out loud, I have to imagine it sounds like this! <laughs> and, uh, and he was always, like, overprotective of his apes, and here he's well, just like... He doesn't have children, I mean... He has to be protective of his apes. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I get that, but to the <laughs> point that it was almost, you know, uh, the down, his own downfall almost every time. It was like, oh, he likes his apes too much. Let's fuck with the apes. And <laughs> he's like, he's like a supervillain version of a cat lady. Yeah, yeah. So oh my god, apes. that's exactly what he is. We all now know what his base looks like. Yeah. Oh, his base is disgusting. Yeah. How so gross. There's so many. There are so many ape litter pans around. Just, <laughs> uh, but yeah, his, but his apes have guns. I think they can handle themselves. Yeah, and as we discover, they in the can second, hold guns, but not forks. <laughs> <laughs> as we discover in the second issue, they also have jetpacks. It's my favorite yeah, thing. Like, like, like his gorillas, his gorillas have got this shit on point. Like they don't need him. <laughs> Has there been a story of just his gorillas? Because they all have names. Like, I think they all have, like, canonical names. Um, I think so, too. I, I don't know. Because I think they're in those old Marvel handbooks. Like, each of the apes have their own entry. Yeah, and I think they each have, like, special skills. Obviously, we're dealing with the jetpack uh, gun gorilla. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is maybe, like, you know, a, a teenage boy's dream if you accidentally, like, buy a gorilla at an auction or something. It's like, well, he also comes with a gun and a jetpack. Whoa! What? I thought I was going to be the coolest kid in town. Now I'm the coolest kid in the state. Coolest mercenary. Um, yeah. Uh, I do want to, I mean, Chris, as an artist, I do want to talk to you about um, Butch Geis's work in this. Um, because, I mean, I, I, was fam- I thought I was familiar with Butch Geis before I picked up the series. And then I think one of the things that really kept me coming back was, it was like, you know, this old dog... Had learned some new tricks. hey To quote probably a Robin Williams and John Travolta movie trailer. <laughs> uh, I, love, I, I love his layouts in this. I mean, what do you think of uh, his work in this uh, story? Butch Geis is the only man I ever want to see draw Winter Soldier. Yeah. <laughs> High praise. Even more than you? I, I, I yes. Okay. <laughs> Because if I had, if I ever got to draw Winter Soldier, all I'd be trying to do is draw Butch Geist Winter Soldier. Oh wow! It's like how it, um, is, it is the perfect like where like where I want I want Steve Epting to always draw Steve. Yeah, I want Butch Geist to always draw Winter Soldier. But then you know, as an as a section, I always I, I only want Eminem to draw Bucky Cap. Yes, Ugh. I, I'm okay like, with all those. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> Approve. Just how Butch draws Bucky's head and the hair. Yeah. Uh, the moment Bucky gets a haircut is the moment yes, I come alive. Yes. <laughs> I hope it. I really hope it happens in Captain America: The Winter Soldier, the movie. That's the last. That I want it. I shot. want him to wash his face and get a haircut. Yeah. I sound like my mom. Because <laughs> I don't have many. I don't have many crushes on like Marvel Universe actors, but like Sebastian Stan in the first Avenger, like. That's that's a hot man. That's a man. <laughs> so I want like I'm like okay okay I know he's wearing like the Domino mask. He's wearing a mask. He's got bad hair. Yep. I'll, at the end of if, if at the end of Winter Soldier he isn't this Butch Geist version. Sure. Not a good movie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> It'll be great. Um, I like. I'm the... with that. I'm with that. I'm, I'm there. I'll, I'll burn the theater down. <laughs> oh boy! I I just love that they're 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 taking Sebastian Stan and making him like a superhero. That's that's like the greatest gift to yeah. uh, TV fangirls everywhere. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm super <laughs> making glad. him buff up. Yeah, I'm glad. Like I don't know. I, not that I would expect them to recast, but I'm really glad that they stuck. I with... was I was really worried because the last Once Upon a Time actor that was in a Marvel universe did get recast. Yeah, Fandral in Thor. Yeah, and so I was like, there was like a brief moment in time where even though everyone was saying he's coming back, he's coming back, I was burned from Rhodey and I was burned from Fandral and yeah. held my breath. Were you, were you really burned from Fandral that they really kept you up at night? Only because it could affect the Bucky casting. Okay. <laughs> but, it, but at least, at least with the Fandral, transitive it, gave, property. It, gave us, it gave us Prince Charming. So, I mean, that one is a win in my book. <laughs> I need to watch I'm more, once upon I'm more a time. of a hook girl. <clears throat> of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. Uh, I love. The... I'm, I'm, I'm a Mary Margaret guy, so I mean that's me. That's me. <laughs> uh, I love the plot of this. I love the the we discover that the um the like temporary uh, Latvian ruler um from I guess from Secret War yeah uh, is yeah. trying to like trying to stir some shit up with the Red Ghost like trying to get some shit going. Uh, and I love that their plan is to put a hit out on Doctor Doom. Yeah, <laughs> like, the way this, the I way the plan that. slowly unfolds across these issues, we get, we keep getting pieces of the, or, or, or you know, layers of the onion peeled back as yeah. the cliffhanger of every issue. And each one of them, I was, uh, you know, it's it's Brubaker. You should should not doubt him, but like. Each time, I was thoroughly impressed with where it was going. Like, I love that uh, the page where they're revealing what happened, and is it Nick Fury that's narrating it? And he's like, you know, right in front of the Latvian embassy, and you can imagine how well that's going over. And then Doctor Doom's like, "Who dares assault Von Doom?" Yeah, just walks out unfired. I love that the plan hinges on Doom's ego. Yeah, and and, and it goes off flawlessly. Yeah. yeah. I love Doctor Doom almost becomes the comedic relief of these five issues. Oh, he's so great. <laughs> if it was just a Doctor Doom Nick Fury like miniseries, I would be happy. He he burns Nick Fury pretty well. Oh yeah. In issue four. Is it, yeah, when he's like when he, uh Doctor Doom comes aboard the ship and I'm trying to find that that wicked sick bird. He uh what did he say? Well, it's like um, how many times I can't remember what your rank is. How many times you've been promoted and demoted yeah, lately, love, or whatever? Yeah, and it's that's it's pretty great and very accurate. That's true. What is what is Fury's current status? 
in the Marvel U. And I, I was asking Brett this the other day because I literally lost track of him after uh, after Did you Secret, Secret Warriors? Warriors. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what is his status in this book? Like, it's hard to even remember because his status does change so much, and I can't even remember where he what his status. Well, and half the, half the time he's like an LMD, and you don't know if he's an LMD, yeah. and yeah. LMD doesn't know he's an LMD. It's kind of like the Doom Boss that don't know they're Doom. That's so cool, though. <laughs> no, I love it. I just want to know if I'm like talking to a like. You know what? You're right. It's it's an effective kind of android test. Like if it's, it's sentient, if it knows if it's Nick an android. Fury. Nick Fury is what Bruce Wayne wants to be. Ah. <laughs> Boom! I went there. Boom! <laughs> just, and Nick Fury, I think at this point he's he's just like he's just Nick Fury because I mean he's he's not running Shield. He's basically out of Shield. Yeah, he's aging after, nothing. After, after he killed uh, Strucker. Yeah, he just kind of went about, and then he oh yeah, then he found his yet a kid, uh, right? Just kind of who conveniently left. looks a lot like the one from the movies. Yeah, well, I think that was that was also after the fact because when they first introduced him in the comics in that Fear Itself spin out series, he didn't look anything like Samuel Jackson. Oh wow! See, I've never like, read that. He was he was just like black guy that was all he was and like that was kind of the mystery of like who he was and then by the end of the series he lost his eye and then he shaved his head and grew a goatee <laughs> and it was from that book onwards that they just replaced uh like I, I hate the fact that I have to call him Nick Fury Senior now yeah yeah, yeah. it's like, so they, development they just, Chris but like uh, uh, <laughs> 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 the heaviness of your size. I mean, I do, I do kind of like the idea of Nick Fury just being this very like elusive kind of. Yeah, it's almost like he's a force of nature now that he has no affiliation and That's you true. don't know what he's up to ever. So when he shows up, you know it's a big fucking deal. Like he just showed up recently. I feel like in something. Ugh. He's like a he's like a foul mouthed Yoda. He just shows up when you need guidance. Yeah, to train people. <laughs> Like a Yoda that shows up shooting a dude in the face and then just like walks in. Because like my favorite, my, my favorite part, like one of my favorite parts of this whole like this arc was Nick Fury's intro. Yeah. Where he's like, being that old guy is like, where am I supposed to go? And then he kills the dude and he's like, wait, what actually, where am I supposed to go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he just runs into a room and just starts shooting a guy. Like, that's. This feels like. Such a, like He's such a pure character to Marvel. Like, Marvel, like, I mean, there's like Spider Man, there's Wolverine, and like Nick Fury is super Marvel to me. Yeah. This feels like the Marvel equivalent of, like, a high-octane action movie. Like a, yeah. like, like a Mission Impossible level, uh, or, or something even bigger than that. Like, well, Mission Impossible is pretty big. You saw Ghost Protocol, right? Yeah. Ugh, like, Ghost Protocol didn't have Doctor Doom or Nick Fury in it. No, it didn't. True. It would have benefited greatly, but it did have... Hawkeye. Uh, it did have Hawkeye. It did. And Sawyer. And also, no, I want I want that girl to be in Marvel movies. Uh, what's her name? Which one? The Which one? one? There's two. Patton the, or the 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 one who was on the Mission Impossible team. What is her you name? Mean Agent, you mean Agent Paula Patton? Carter? Paula Patton. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love her. She's in she's in a Boom Studios movie, product placement. Oh, yeah. which one? Which one is she? Two Guns. In? Oh, she was in Two Guns. That's right. Yeah. 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 I love it was her. Really good. It was a really good movie. I, I know. I'm not gonna be modest about it. It was great. <laughs> 
I would love to see her. Uh, no, I love her. And actually, the, the blonde girl from Mission Impossible 4, she's a French actress. She was just in Blue is the Warmest Color. Yeah. She would make a great Yelena if they Ooh. ever, ever touch on that part of the Black Widow mythos. Oh, Give her yeah. a solo movie. Give Natasha a solo movie and have that. That'd be so great. It would be amazing. I mean, yeah, and then really... I, can, I can pick fights with more people. It'll be great. I'll really feel alive. <laughs> Well, that movie would come out, and it would probably be awesome, and it would probably make a lot of money, and then people wouldn't have ground to stand on. That's right. Well, no, they'll give they'll give credit to whatever male co-stars in it. Oh. So if it's got Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, they'd be yeah. like, Samuel L. Jackson carried the movie. Yeah, That's, yeah. F this is, we're playing fantasy football, but with Marvel movies. Yeah, I mean, this that's what I do for a living, almost. It's true. <laughs> that's what my column is almost every week. Um, but uh. So they they hook up with it. They find out that this guy sold the uh, the like access codes to a whole bunch of frozen Soviet super soldiers, basically that Bucky had trained in the fifties. Uh-huh. And they find out, oh, he also sold a Doombot with them. Oh, P.S. Yeah, yeah, P.S. Yeah, P.S. they a... threw in the Doombot like you throw an AC in a car. Yeah, yeah it's like there's... buy three access codes to Russian KGB agents, get a get free, free Doombot. Doom yeah, hey, great That's news! So, it's so cool. I threw, I threw in a Latvian <laughs> dictator. With a god complex. Absolutely on the house. Yeah. Does, does anyone uh, watch American Horror Story Coven? I haven't. I have not. Um, there's there a, a character there that reminds me of like the Doombot that they bring back and make her they make her be the maid and she's just basically Doom as, as a housemaid and is it's it, hilarious. Is it the Kathy Bates character? Yeah. yeah. Okay, because I uh, wanted it to be the Kathy Bates character and now I really want to watch that this season. <laughs> Kathy Bates as Doom would be fantastic. Just putting that out there. Oh, yeah. I agree. Uh, I mean, that's kind of almost the character she played in The Office in a way. Just like a Southern Doctor Doom. <laughs> Doctor Southern, Southern Doom. Doctor Doom. Uh, uh, but we, re- we get a lot of like really good um, like Doombot and Doctor Doom gravitas, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I like that there's almost like a... You know, so they so they attack the UN. The, the the plot is basically to discredit Doom at the UN, and yeah. they they get to the Latvian office within the UN and cut a hole in the wall, yeah, and then blow it out because Doom is nothing if not subtle, and uh, and then we get a cool little standoff between Doom and Doombot, which to me harken back to. Uh, one of my favorite comics from when I was a kid, which was uh, Fantastic Four 350, which is uh, Walt Simonson uh, having Doom finally return and just slaughter like a, a, a host of Doom bots <laughs> and reclaim the throne. Um, <laughs> and I like, I, I, I love this. I love this. And we get into a lot of like the royal we yeah. and like use of like. And there's literally physically two of them, so we is absolutely accurate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You are not us. We are Von Doom. We are Von Doom. <laughs> That's so I mean, good. I mean, Chris. That is... poster, by the way, in the Ledvarian offices, like the fact that Marvel hasn't sold it as merchandise makes me incredibly sad. Right. The, uh, it's the one, one he's got the, the, cro- crown the crown and the it's, sword. I laughed out loud when I saw that. That's <laughs> so amazing. Like it's great. Uh, and he looks he looks like part Lion King. <laughs> like I want that to be I want that to be in that frame, but like velvet. I, I, I want to see him sitting for that portrait. Right? Like they did with Red Skull in the movie. Like mm-hmm. I wanna see that. Yeah, that was great. Doom is seated. <laughs> no, maybe just just make a doom bot do it. 
Oh, oh yeah, you zoom out and he's like, there's like another Doom... Oh, oh, I thought you meant be the seat. <laughs> a doom- saying- no, I think it was, he just makes the Doombot pose, but then he'd probably... Actually, it'd probably be like a Dr. Manhattan thing where you just have like eight Doombots doing... He'd probably have a Doombot painting. Yeah, Doombot's painting yep. a portrait of a Doombot sitting. So Who great. dares paint Von Doom? Oh, that's amazing. It's going to get better very quickly. I feel like I have to bring up uh, Betty Brightweiser's colors in this book. Because oh, she I, is amazing. She's incredible, right? I I don't know. I feel like this. Um, I don't know. I feel like I've I feel like I've watched her grow. <laughs> I mean, in two thousand eight, I used to work for Wizard Magazine, and like Mitch Breitweiser was one of the artists that I talked to a bunch. And then like Betty was just like always at his table with them, and they were always the nicest people. Yeah, <clears throat> the most well dressed people at any show. Like holy crap, uh, they're amazing. Just a great couple, and. When she started coloring Marvel books, I was like, oh, this is great. She's also an amazing colorist. Oh, P.S., And then I yeah. love, like, seeing her just get more and more work. I mean, her work with Gabe Harbin on Secret Avengers was so fantastic. And then she well, makes this just... book. She holds this book together so well. She, she does so much, and, it, and it's kind of almost unconscious, but she does so much work in directing your eye. Yeah. Like, I think uh, issue three, <clears throat> that kind of two-page spread of them jumping out of the helicarrier is, like, a perfect example of, oh, yeah. like, where to read. <laughs> Yeah, and and I love I love her use with the color too of like you, you get this big this great big white space down yeah. in like the bottom middle of the two page spread that that just kind of shows you it it's it's a good use of color to show you too like the free fall that they're both experiencing at the same time too. But yeah, I love I mean speaking to that specific double page spread, I also like that Butch Geist, the one panel of Natasha when she's looking over her shoulder, it's like stretched out. Like yeah. the perspective on it, it's just like it's very like disorienting just how falling out of a plane would be. I don't know, mm-hmm. it's the two of them work together so well that it's one of the most complete uh I don't know packages of like pencil ink and color that I've ever seen in a comic really. Like there are some pages that just look like paintings. Uh-huh. Like, there are yeah. some panels. Um, Issue like, one, I think, especially, there's yeah. a lot of, like, really... She does a lot of what seems like incredibly heavy lifting with the color art in this first issue, and especially the scenes where um, Bucky and Natasha are lit by the television or being intimate. Uh, there's just, like, a, a really you great can say, soft glow. You can say getting their grind on. Well, I would... <laughs> I could. <laughs> uh Okay, wow, so my insides curled up. I'm sorry, that was gross. Yeah, yeah. So, so while they're humping uh, bones, okay, yeah, uh, there's good, good, good terminology. Uh, there's a lot of really great soft light and just small little accentuations, like the the glow in their ears and their noses yeah. and stuff that just knocks it knocks it. I out get of the a heart. real like I get a real like sexy '80s vibe from this arc. Yeah. Oh, it's Miami color. Vice. It's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just um, actually speaking of that bedroom scene, it's really hard to color like to color night or dark, and still have the characters pop. So like everything's in blue tones, but you can see them really clearly on the bedspread, and that's yeah. not an easy thing to do. Even though she makes it look effortless, like every one of the every one of these panels could be an album cover. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like the one of like Natasha's profile. It's all. I can't even describe, like, there's no real line. It's all defined by the shadow and color. Just, like, how... Ugh. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. That's why I talk about comics and don't... don't <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think she is this book's, like, secret weapon. Definitely. Well, it gives it that really cinematic, but 
because there's two ways of doing cinematic coloring. There's realistic, and then there's this. Yeah. And it's very easy to go cell shade when you go stylized. And I love that she found, like, an in-between that's just gorgeous. Yeah. Um, we've talked about everything except, really, the Winter Soldier himself. It's true. In these five issues. So how do, we, how do you guys think uh, Bucky actually comes across in these five? I mean, I, I love... I love the way they kicked off the first arc is dealing directly with his past and like dealing with basically kind of three versions of how he perceives himself to be like uh-huh. the sociopath, the uh, monster and the conflicted one. And like, he goes through them like, like, you know, trials, like, you know, ancient trials to kind of come out the other end. And I thought that was really kind of neat. Yeah. I mean, now I sound like a douchebag. <laughs> no, no. Well, you just sound smart. Uh, Chris, that's code for douchebag. <laughs> we are all super smart, so we're fine. <laughs> uh, Chris, how did as a Winter Soldier fan, like, how did this first arc, like, did it meet your expectations? Did it surpass? Yeah, I mean, it, it would. At, at this point, this is one of the few times because I kind of make it a thing for myself where I, I don't get excited for things just based on the name. Yeah, things have to like, like everything I see. I, they have to re-earn my trust. Um, like I just won't go into it. Like, oh man, it's a it's a Disney movie. That's it's gonna be great. Like I don't do that. Um, but because this book was carrying over so many of the same staples that had made it so good. I mean, Brubaker, uh, Butch, and Brightweiser from from the Captain America series itself. Um, that. I just was basically expecting it to just continue forward, and it did perfectly. Um, so everything basically lived up to my expectations um, in terms of this arc. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at a panel where, where Bucky's balancing on the dude's head, shooting another guy. Like, yeah, this is just this is great. <laughs> That's all you want. Yeah, it's such. <laughs> yeah, there's, such there's an intense Bucky. realism to his to his art that. Um, you know, he can, he's dynamic enough that when he draws them in a way that is sort of fantastical, it never seems like mm-hmm. it stretches your imagination to the breaking point. And I mean that in a it's, good way. Like, to me, he's like a noir, modern version of Steranko. Oh, wow. Like, he captures yeah. all the same, like, funness of Steranko and the graphic qualities, and this is posing and, like, his... his his interpretation of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick and how he treats the characters, but he does it in this new kind of really dark, very graphic. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of funny because I think if, if Butch had a different colorist, the book would no, no, look nowhere near as good because yeah. it relies on such a um, collaboration and such like a common uh, visual look that... I think because he's he's so busy, and then he needs a colorist that's that's not busy that can really kind of balance that out. Yeah, um, I think if anyone else kind of got on here, like I think of like was it Neri? That's that's Hedge's colorist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Neri. Like, I think I would not know what the hell was happening because Neri is so grounded and so you know realistic looking. Yeah, that like the combination with uh, Bush with Brightwise, it just it, I think this art team is only beating out. For me, by Somni and Brightweiser. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. oh wow. I mean, I feel like they're, they they tell different stories. Like, I feel like they tell different stories, but they're both just kind of amazing teams. Yeah. The, uh, his layouts are insane in this arc. That's the thing that really shocked me with with uh, Butch, because I always kind of just pegged him as just being like, uh, I mean, this sounds horrible, but I love his work, so I can say it, like, a, a holdover. Like, it seemed like kind of like a throwback. And then I bought Winter Soldier, and there's so many, like, crazy layouts in this book, which is where I'm really seeing the Stranko, like, the modern Stranko uh, yeah. comparisons. Because all those diagonal, like, crazy layouts that are still super clear, but super... Yeah. Yeah. It's... So so let me ask you this, guys. Uh, so you guys are on, you know, the, the production side. Uh, have you ever Have you ever tried to lay something out crazy and it just didn't work, Chris? Or, Daph, have you ever gotten something turned into you where someone tried to do something really <laughs> wild with the layout and it was like, oh, I have, I don't even know if this is readable. Uh, there's no way I can answer that, buddy. <laughs> oh, that's fair. No, no, I'm, I'm joking. Um, uh, we do, <laughs> that's why there is that sort of layout section uh, in the production schedule is, is you workshop a layout until you think it's going to be readable. So it never really gets to the point of like actual art. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is it is something we encourage uh, if there's time of, of really kind of uh, finding a way into the sto- into portraying it visually that you might not usually do. And I don't know if you've well, I know Brett has. Have you read uh, Gabriel Hardman's Betrayal? No, I haven't read Betrayal. Though they have actually uh, kind of he plays with layout on that a lot, especially in the action scenes because there's a lot of almost wordless pages where you know one character is chasing another character across the city um and and he goes wild on those layouts and they're really cool oh yeah i mean chris you do really great layouts too i mean let's be honest right yeah yeah i wasn't trying to like call anyone out i was just curious (laughs) uh you know especially with something like we're saying like here we're watching a guy start to sort of innovate the way that he approaches a page yeah, it, I, I mean, those are your words, not mine. But uh, when I don't, I, I, I've never, because I don't think I, I can, I can't even think this way. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I think that's what captivates people more. Is just, it's just he's doing layouts and just graphics that are. I think I mean this is very much I think of a time, and I and I think because I'm not from there or from then, and I don't have. Know, an abundant amount of time to really do my research on it. I just don't think in this sort of geographic way yeah. where I can do like that splash and uh, Bucky and Natasha jumping out. Like I would, I, I like going really minimalistic with my layouts. Yeah. In which like I would make that like a, just a big open, you know, one image um, instead of all these like small intricacies you know, weaving in and out of each other. And I think that, I think that's what makes me like it so much is because I can't think this way. Yeah, but I think I mean I don't know not to turn this into the like Chris compliment portion of the show, <laughs> but I think that you also well, let's do it. A lot of things that you, that guys accomplishes with layout, I think you accomplish with like like body language and like movement of clothing. I think I mean that's one of the things that really drew me to like your blog years ago was the fact that you never did just straight on sketches. You would always draw characters in realistic poses that I've never seen before. Like yeah. also Chris does expressions really well. Yeah. Like you can you get an interiority of a character's life without necessarily putting words to it. Yeah. 
um, not to to stroke Chris's well, ego more. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that works, you know, Uncanny X Men, because you know, it's a bend of script, so that wouldn't put me through my paces. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like eleven characters talking in in like sixteen panels, and everyone's saying something all at once, and they're all girls. <laughs> <laughs> So like, I have to really, like, really distinguish every single one of them from their personalities to, like, their facial structure. Just... Haircuts help. Haircuts did help, but, like, it's not, it doesn't really work when, like, they all have long blonde hair. <laughs> there's, four, I... there's four women. Thank God, like, Mindy cut her hair. Yeah. There's, there's four other women who have long blonde hair on that team. Yeah, and then there, there are constantly joking with the other one uh, getting red hair now that Jean Grey is on the team, <laughs> which I think is really funny. I think yeah, Marvel Marvel characters spend a lot of time out of uniform too. Oh yeah, yep. And that's like that's like one of the most fun things to do. Yeah, out of uniform stuff. Awesome. Well, at I, least for me, it is. Yeah, well, you're also you're great at you know fashion design, which I also feel like we need to point out that like I mean Butch Geist is. 60? I mean, he's in, he's been around for a long time. When the characters are out of uniform, it definitely feels like, oh yeah, this is a like a 70s artist. Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of like... My favorite, when they go to the auction, like, yeah. sure it's dated, but it's baller. It's it is great. so oh, like... 100%. Such, Bucky, or, uh, Bucky has that, that pencil-thin Tony Stark mustache for no reason. <laughs> Tony Stark or Howard Stark? No one knows. Oh yeah. That's right. <laughs> like, it's so great. It's uh, I, believe, I believe they copyrighted that term, mustark. Mustache, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he also draws Natasha with like the big poof, like the big bump it hair mm-hmm. that she had in the 70s. That she hasn't had, in, which I love. It's great. <laughs> but he also does, he draws Nick Fury in the only clothes Nick Fury should ever wear when he's not in the jumpsuit. Which is like white button down and. Just the three piece suit. That's yeah, all yep. he should ever wear. Yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> I don't, don't want to see leather anywhere near Nick Fury. <laughs> Nick you Fury Jr., not. fine. But. <laughs> Awesome. Well, um, well, yeah. Do we have any final thoughts on Winter Soldier one through five? Like, do we recommend people read this or read the whole arc? I would say yes. Yeah. As a jumping on point, yeah, that's definitely a good place to start with him. But I mean, honestly, you should start with Captain America number one. But yeah, it reads it reads remarkably self-contained. I mean, like, I love Brubaker's Captain America run, but it it intersected with a lot of like big universe events, so there are yeah. holes. And this is like a really coherent, self-contained art. Yeah, I do. Especially I think coming from after Cap Two, where people are already going to get that origin. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can just if, if as long as like they fix Bucky's memory within the movie, yeah. you can basically jump in. Yeah. To the series and get ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great point. I I um, I mean, I liked I liked Bucky Cap. I didn't read a whole lot of Brubaker's uh, Cap run. And this, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I know it was, it was at a certain point around issue when they relaunched uh, 600, when they relaunched the numbering, I just kind of decided that I was going to wait for all of it to come out and try to read it like in a giant sitting. Uh, and that's on the list of 6,000 other things <laughs> that I keep saying I want to read. Um, but reading this independently of that, like, you know, with a little bit of knowledge of the character, I'm aware of, of who he is and, and his background. Like this this read really well. It was it was fun. The characters were engaging. You get his voice immediately. You understand who he is and what he's doing and why he's doing it. Um 
it's a great point of view, and I I think the I think the art lines up really well with the type of story that's being told. And yeah, I hope that uh, I hope this sells well after the movie comes out. Oh yeah. It also, it also helps. It has the same kind of creative team all the way through. It's yeah. Same artist, same colors, same writer. There's no inconsistencies or hiccups. Yeah. Um, which for new readers who don't read comics regularly, it's really hard to break into sort of the mainstream with all those sort of uh, production hiccups. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, well, great. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for being on the show and talking about uh, Bucky with us, or Winter Soldier, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what Do you guys uh, have anything you want to plug? Anything? Where can people find you guys on the internet? Yeah, Daff, go ahead. Uh, sound off. Where can we find you on the internet, and what do you want to plug? Um, you can find me on Daphna Boom on Twitter, one word, or Daphnap on Tumblr, where I just post Star Trek GIFs. Um, and I'm working on amazing books right now. If you're a Sons of Anarchy fan and like hot dudes, pick it up. Yeah. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, it's right up Brett's alley. What did I, I turn into? I, like, <laughs> salacious Paul Lynn. Uh, okay, Chris. Where can people find you on the internet? The Interneters? Uh, <laughs> easiest uh, is just on Tumblr, ChristopherAnka.tumblr.com. Yeah. This shit's easy. And you can also see your work coming up in Uncanny number 15, I do believe? Yes, 15. It's out in December at some point, and then after that I'll be in X-Men number 10 in February. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and to all of our listeners, if you're interested in purchasing uh, Winter Soldier number 1 through 5, The Longest Winner, you can go to mattandbrettlovecomics.com and buy the issues through the Amazon links in the episode show notes, and any purchase you make on Amazon kicks money back to us, so please do that. Yeah, you can also, uh, uh, while you're at mattandbrettlovecomics.com, you can check out our back issues, like uh, the time that we ca- talked to Nicole Dressel and Matt Fisher about Generation Hi. X 1 through 4. Uh, or us chatting with producer Ben Rahib about the 90s Star Trek X-Men crossover comics. Spoiler alert, they're crazy. <laughs> uh, we're also going to have a holiday gift guide up on our website. They're amazing. You take that back. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I was de- I was delighted at them, definitely. I and mean, you finally get the McCoy joke. <laughs> That's true. Which, which is great. <laughs> uh, and you also get um, Gambit hitting on Ahura, which is a thing you want to see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so check out that episode. Read those issues. Um, I still, feel, I still think my theory holds water as to that first uh, uh, Star Trek X Men yeah, issue. Find out. Um, <clears throat> uh, and you can also go to our holiday gift guide, uh, which we're going to have on the website as well. Holiday gift guide where you can find all the things you want to buy for Christmas and Hanukkah and New Year's and people's birthdays. And oh, I went nuts, you guys. I have like 25 things. Uh, find that. That'll be up sometime soon uh, before Black Friday. Yeah, uh, we love hearing from you guys. Please tell us what you think about this or any past episode on our website or our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash They Love Comics. You can also find all of our Twitter stuff on the Who Loves Comic thing on the Who Loves Comics tab on the website. Yeah, and if you like what you heard here today, leave a review. Uh, make it a, post it in uh, on the iTunes. Tell everyone to download Stitcher and listen to us. Um, you know, kidnap people, put them in a basement for three days, and make them listen only to our show. Yeah. Uh, wish for a genie to appear and ask that genie to make everyone listen to our show. <laughs> As always, thanks to Ben Regeev, and make sure you tell everyone about the show because you're a best books people. Yeah, uh, Ben, you are the uh, Black Widow to our Winter Soldier. That's high praise. That's right. High praise indeed. (laughs) Uh, But thanks again so much for being on the show, Chris and Daphna. No problem. Yeah. 
And until next time. This is Matt. And this is Brad. And we love, love comics. comics. You did it! Yeah, I did it. I did you it did sound, it this time. I didn't sound weird. Oh, it's great. <laughs>